0: silence in the waiting with the promise in the making I will cling to what I know is true in the sorrow in the struggle when my heart is torn and troubled I will cling to What I know is true. shifty Of me, I will see you.
1: Taylor. That was beautiful. <clears throat> well, I'm cur- encouraged today because I think the breaking of bread and uh, Taylor's song and Dean's song, the congregational hymn, all go very well with my theme today, which is encouragement. We have a God of encouragement. And a little bit about the opposite, which is discouragement. You know, uh, you know I, most of you know I have three beautiful grandchildren. Uh, Sydney is a little older. She's a teenager. And they have Colin and Ethan. They're uh, both about seven and eight. And whenever we go to either Colin's house or Ethan's house, when they get together, it's an all-day battle. <laughs> they have foam arrows, lightsabers, foam swords, All sorts of guns, and if they don't have a gun, they'll turn anything into a gun. They have the Mandalorian masks on, and they both sweat like crazy. So they're soaking wet, and it goes on all day. Even when we get on FaceTime or Skype, whatever you use, Ethan will even shoot at me on the Skype. So It's all in fun. There's no consequences. They each die a thousand deaths every day, get up and and play some more. But we <clears throat> we're in a battle that has complete consequences. It's good versus evil, and it's a battle for our souls and it's not none of it is in fun at all. very serious And our enemy is Satan who and he loves discouragement. He loves it when we are down, discouraged, and he doesn't really go in a direct path. he's mentioned twice. In the Bible, and both times, it says he roams. In Job, it says he roams around the earth. In another passage, it says he roams around like a roaring lion looking to pounce on somebody. And when we're discouraged and down, that's when we're susceptible to getting pounced on. When that happens, we need to get back to the Lord, confess, repent, and get back on the right trap. And speaking from experience, I do that a lot in here today, you feel a whole lot better when you do something wrong and you confess and get back right, rather than letting it fester. Excuse me. Trying to discourage me right now. So this this is going to be like police work, a little bit. When you arrest somebody, you know you have to write an arrest report. And in the arrest report, you have to list the facts and things that happened in your presence that gave you probable cause to arrest this person. In the same way, if you are going to get a search warrant, you have to list facts that you think you have a reason to get a search warrant of a building or a vehicle or something like that. And you have to list those facts to make a judge say, okay, you can get a search warrant. They all have to be approved by a a judge. So I list today nine reasons on why God is so encouraging, and I'll list my facts and some things that I went through to make me feel that way. And I'm sure you have, there's way more than nine, and these are just random. I'm sure you could come up with nine of your own and it would be completely different because he blesses us and is so encouraging us in so many ways. Okay, from the bottom, number nine, it says, Christ has already won the battle over death and Satan. We're on the winning side. So that covers a lot of worry and discouragement right there. In 1 Corinthians 15 55 to 57, it says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And most of these things today will be through Christ, almost every one of them. This means that death should be terrifying to people that don't have the Lord because it has a sting. You know where, We know where they're going to go if they're not saved. But for us, the sting is gone, if, if, we're, if we pass, the sting is gone. The family can rejoice that that person is in heaven. So there's no sting. We're not condemned to go to hell. No sting. <clears throat> Here's another man who's going through discouragement. David in Psalms 13. And some of you <clears throat> can be discouraged today. There's a whole lot of things that can be discouraging. We got uh, family issues. Um. This virus thing, come on. Now we found that it was made in a lab, so that's pretty discouraging. And my source of news a lot of times is Google News. And if you look at that, they should just call it Google Bad News because it's almost bad all the way down. So let's see how David can handle his discouragement. First verse, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. It's three sections to that. He's totally downcast. He's in groaning and despair. And like some of you today, I remember many people have a long how long. He says, how long? Four times. So you know this has been going on a long time. And we have that. Some people have sicknesses and diseases that will be with us until the rapture. And he, d- he gets down, but then in the middle, he throws out a last-ditch prayer. And then he realizes his salvation what he has in store for him in his future. He comes to his senses, and he doesn't focus on his how long, his predicament, his circumstance. He realizes of the Lord's unfailing love. All your how longs you compare to eternity, even if the how long is most of your life, it won't even register a percent of a percent compared to the time in eternity. And we have to remember, I have water Mike. thanks. <clears throat> so we're not, we don't give up, and let's not let discouragement get the best of us. In 2 Corinthians 4, it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since we, what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What I like about this, a lot of things, but Paul says, our, us, and we he could have said, <clears throat> look what I've been through. Beaten, shipwrecked, everything under the sun, beaten by rods, all this stuff. And he doesn't say, look what I've been through. Come on, you don't know anything like I've been through. But I don't think anybody in here has been flogged lately or any of these things. But he didn't because he knows that we go through stuff too. That's why he says We. And what you're going through today is different than what I'm going through today or what Jessica's going through today. So we all have our, our stuff we're going through. And, and he is the, one of the top troubles. If anybody has troubles, that would be him. And what does he call them? He calls them light and momentary troubles. So that puts things in perspective. If we're having these things, we got to look ahead, keep our eyes on Jesus, things above, and not dwell in these things. And who is throwing these discouraging things at us? He's called the discourager. In John eight forty four, it says, He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. It sounds from that like... He's not capable of, of uh, telling the truth. There's no truth in him. And contrast the discourager with our Lord the encourager. In Hebrews six eighteen, it says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. There's that encouragement again. We take hold of that hope to encourage us. And I like that word, fled, he uses. When you think about fleeing, you're quick, you're going a pretty direct line, and you're not looking back. We're to flee to the Lord. You contrast that, um, like we went to Disneyland this week. And probably most of you have been there. I love it. Our family loves it. And if you haven't been there, you, you get in through the gate. And there's two tunnels, left or right. You take, take your choice which one you go through. And as soon as you get through there, you could be distracted. There's usually a band playing or things to look at. The train's right there. And you're looking around. Then you wake your, wake your way forward. And there's a couple of alleys. You can go down the alleys and get stuck in a shop. If you're with my wife you'll be in a shop for a long time (laughs) and then you come out you go up a little further and you you approach the roads to the four lands and you just roam around you don't really know where you're going you end up all over the place so that is Disneyland and that's not how we're supposed to go to the Lord Lord I'll go to you today but first I want to go over here he said flee to him Number eight, if he says he will do something, he will do it. He's totally reliable, he can be trusted, and we should never doubt our Lord. You can Google might in the Bible. There's not one verse where it says, God says, I might. All of them say, I will. He has a plan, and he sticks to it. And it's so encouraging for us to know we have a God like that. It's not going to change his mind and waver um, in his decisions, his promises, and his plan. And we can't see the plan for us. He has a plan for all of us. We don't know what the end result is going to be. But he knows the plan. He knows what he has in mind for us and how we're supposed to finish if we follow his plan. And that's, that's the goal. And the other thing is, he says several times in scripture that I change not. So he's not going to change his plan midstream. Robert Burns, many years ago, wrote a story called To a Mouse. And he said, the best laid schemes of mice and men go awry. And that is so true. No matter how much planning you do, how careful you are, something probably will go wrong. Again, speaking from my experience, we were supposed to go to Disneyland several months ago with uh, the Murrays. I think somebody got sick, which happens a lot. And we had to reschedule. So I reschedule. I look at the calendar. Um, We couldn't go in April. We didn't want to go in the midsummer when it's packed. So I picked this week in February. And we get down there, and it was completely mobbed. All the hotels were sold out and kids everywhere. So I talked to the cast members. The whole Southern California schools were canceled. It's called Ski Day. So they said Disneyland was more crowded this week than even a day in August or July. I mean, it was was a zoo. You moved like a wave. You couldn't even have three feet in front of you to walk. So that nice plan, Brad, that didn't work too good. (laughs) So let's see how the I wills came out to Abraham in Genesis 12 too, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you I will make your name great and you will be a blessing you can check that one off we have the nation of Israel today created basically the whole world in one way or another revolves around that little little country that in part is only seven miles wide To his wife, a doubter, in Genesis 18, to Sarah, Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. It seemed impossible to her, so much that she actually laughed. But God did just what he said he was going to do. A year later, had that baby. To Joshua, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Crossed over that river of Canaan, into the promised land, and and check all these off. He never fails on his I wills. And here's one that um, applies every day. This one's to all of us. And Mike shared it Monday night. We read this one a lot because it's so appropriate for our nation. It says 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So there's a whole bunch of wills in that one. Some from the Lord and some of it applies as to what we do. So this one If we do this, he will hit these blessings upon us. He will reciprocate. But if we don't, we're we're still messed up. In our nation, you know, we are in trouble. Over 30,000 people overdose a year and are killed from opioid overdoses. We have a booming economy, and there are tons of good jobs out there for people to fulfill, but so many candidates are drug addicts. Intelligent people, app, they fit the application, but they're, they're just drug addicts, and they can't fill these jobs fast enough. If you've ever been in Kaiser, and you had surgery, and you're in pain, probably a lot of us, you get that little morphine drip, and you boom, and you feel great. And that's morphine. It kills the pain. Fentanyl is an opiate opioid derivative, and now the drug trade, they have mixed fentanyl and other opioids, and this one has popped up in Louisiana, where there's been some deaths, and it's called a gray death. And I don't know if they snort it or what they do with it, but it's 10,000 times more potent than morphine. Fire, police, paramedics are endangering themselves, just going to these calls. You just touch the stuff, it could kill you. And whole families are ruined by this. So what's the solution? Our nation needs to, as the verse said, get back to Christ, get saved and repent, return and seek his face and he will heal our land. The problem is not everybody is doing that. So we remained uh, in trouble. So, and there's a few I wills that are still, still pending. And we know that he's going to do these the same as all the others. It said he went to prepare a place for us. We could see him again and be with him. And he said he will come again like a thief in the night. So we know he's going to do that. And then these two are going to be very pleasant to us. It says later the father of lies will be thrown into the lake of fire where he will be torn tormented forever. That's good news. Okay, number seven. Adriana talked about this in her testimony. He is the God of second and more chances. Praise God for that. I know I would be in trouble. Maybe one or two of you would be in trouble too if it wasn't for his mercy and grace in giving us second chances. Randy covered this beautifully the month ago. We're pretty familiar about Peter. Big boaster, the night with Jesus. I'll do this. I'll never leave you. I'll go to death with you. All these, when, there's, when the heat isn't on, he's very full of himself. Soon as the test came around the little lady around the campfire, never knew the man. I'm not part of him. He crashed and burned three times, denying the Lord. Did Jesus say, man... Bad recruiting there by me. Nope. Did he give up on Peter? Nope. Later on, Peter's faith was strengthened and rebuilt. He preached to a crowd. 3,000 people saved in one day. And later, after that, he was in the town, and he used the Lord's name with such faith and belief that he said, May the power of Jesus to a man get up now and walk. Not only did he get up and walk, he practically skipped away unassisted. There wasn't a walker, a cane, or rehab in the future. His legs were brand new. In Proverbs, there's a verse that says, The righteous fall seven times, but rise up again. That's encouraging, because we do fail. We know that. We do. It's in our blood. So, thank God for the second chances. The one we don't hear about too much is Samson. He had, like David and a lot, very common thing among men, he had a weakness for the ladies. And he fell into that temptation several times. But God gave him second and third chances. He had his eyes gouged out, his hair cut, which was his strength, And he was captured by the Philistines. We know his hair started to grow again. And he was a big um, attraction for the Philistines. It was like something they wanted to go see. So they roped him into two pillars, attached him, uh, as you know, one, one arm to one pillar, the other to another. And in Judges 16, 28, it says... And Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistine for my two eyes. The Lord answered his prayer. He brought down the the two pillars supporting the whole place and it collapsed and 3,000 Philistines were killed. So this sinful man who went to the Lord one more time, who gave, the Lord gave him second chances, that's not the end of him. Look where he pops up again. He's mentioned in Hebrews 11 with all the other heroes of faith. It says of him, his weakness was turned into strength. All those people mentioned in Hebrews 11 had flaws just like we do. You're not eliminated from fulfilling God's plan and, and doing good things, so... That is encouraging. So number six, I have. It's a little bit different. S- speaking from experience, have you ever taken a class or where you know the subject a little bit or uh, something like that? And you're you wonder if the teacher has a lot of credibility or you're you're questioning, you know, a little bit of the teaching. Um, what well, comes to mind at one time, or there were things they may not have experienced, what they're teaching. One time we were at the doctor's with Sherry, and she had a few tests, he had all this pain, and the doctor kind of just gave up, and he defaulted to, well, I don't know, it could be all in your head. So he wasn't experiencing what she was going through, so that's that one bothered me a little. But... Jesus has complete credibility because he became human, just like us. We have pains. He had more pain on the cross than we could ever bear. We get tempted. Satan tempted him, which, but he didn't yield to the temptation. He wept, and we weep. We bleed, and he bled. He said, I thirst, and we get thirsty. He mourned, we mourned. He mourned for Lazarus. He had all the feelings we have, and he's been through it. He walked the walk. He doesn't say, do this, but I don't do it. He says he's lived it. He, He walked what he says. So we can be encouraged by Christ leading by an example. And it's the word says, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So when we go through something in Christ, you're more than a conqueror. So why is that? Hebrews 2, 14 and 15 says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So by becoming in humanity, we can be encouraged and free the sins that that would have held us. He did that for us. Number five. He hears and answers our prayers, which is a blessing. And have you ever prayed, you know, and thinking, prayed out loud, and you wonder, am I just talking? Am I just just talking out loud. I've prayed the same thing over and over and over. Is anybody hearing this prayer? Or you say, what's the use? But there is so much going on when we pray. God hears our prayers and answers them. In Hebrews 7, 25, it says, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always listens, always lives to intercede for them. So here's, jesus interceding for us and listening and it says always it doesn't say just on sunday when we're all dressed up not just the apostle paul not just when edel prays he hears all of us when we pray and go to him and that is encouraging not only do is jesus backing us up but it says in romans eight twenty six, in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness we don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So we have the Holy Spirit and Jesus are advocates when we pray. So he, they, if ours are not eloquent or long or direct, it'll all get spun around to go direct, and he will answer our prayers. And as Randy said, Sometimes the answer is no and wait. And we, That's why we, when, sometimes when we pray over and over and over, we're not getting the answer we want, but he's saying wait. And we know how encouraging our prayer meetings are. It's great to hear what everybody's going through, through their trials, tribulations, blessings, and sometimes we hear the failures too. But we're encouraged because we all do that. We all fail and we all get blessed and we're going through different things. And we should continue to do that because nobody should be out there on an island. We shouldn't fight our, battle, our battles alone. So whatever we're going through, share it and we, so we can pray for everybody. Gilbert and Jean do a great job on the prayer list, which we appreciate. And again, the author of the Hebrews says in 1025, Just to do that, it says not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. So it doesn't just say keep encouraging. It says keep encouraging each other more. Okay, we're down to four. And I combined four and three together, very similar. It's hope and comfort. He's the God of hope which gives us comfort. And if we don't have God's comfort, we don't have hope. So they're kind of intermingled. The word says we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive ourselves from the word. So keep reading our word. We get comfort from us. And it's not comfort as you would think like uh, on a couch, relaxing type comfort. We can get comfort from him when we're going through cancer or any, any horrible things. I know Paul is going through dialysis. He can go to the Word to get comfort. And we are praying for you, Paul, if you're watching this. Um, we have, in here and watching, we, I know we have at least four cancer survivors. We have bad stroke survivors that are maybe watching um, and all kinds of horrible treatments they've been through. But he gives the grace to those people and the comfort to get through it. And he gives us that eternal hope, not just that hope do we, you know, continue to live here, but a hope for eternity, building our faith and endurance. And he says, the word says, cast your cares and burdens and anxiety on him because he cares for us. Another interesting word. I know Sonny and Jeff Cooper and Jeff Murray and some of the others are fishermen. I don't fish, not a fan. And when you, when you think about fishermen, they get that that reel and they cast it to get that thing out very far. If they want to get rid of it, get it out there. We don't cast our things to the Lord like this and hang on to a corner. We want to give it to him completely. And when he has it, we are encouraged, and we get hope. It's a lamp unto our feet, and we're told to, keep, to, uh, to take courage. I'm sure in this group, we have different viewpoints on the left and the right. Where else can we find hope? If you're on the right, can you get it from Fox News? Not really. If you're on the left, can CNN give you encouragement? Nope. If you're banking on the stock market, that could crash any day. How about the election? Oh, everybody's pumped up for that. That is not going to give us comfort and hope either. The only source we have is Jesus Christ. That's why they call him, one of his names is the Comforter. Psalms 31 says, Be strong, take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. That encourages us. Psalms 119.50, my comfort is my suffering in this. You prom- your promise preserves my life. That's from David. In all this pain and suffering, the doctors can make you feel better, but they're temporary. David reflects on the internal promises, and that's why we kept, keep that in mind. So many people indulge in drugs and alcohol to get one night of comfort wake up with a hangover, and the same problems are with them the next day. It's hard to get any encouragement and hope from the world. In probably my favorite Star Wars movie, A New Hope, Princess Leia says, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. But It's a good line, but our line should be, help me, Jesus Christ, you are my hope. Amen? And Number two, he is working in our lives. Some people have, you know, Krugerrands, rare coins, silver, gold, and jewels. And what do they do with them? They put them in a safety deposit box or in a safe, lock them up, and hope they increase in value. They're those people's prized possessions. But in the word, God says that we are his prized possessions. And he doesn't treat us like those coins, he doesn't just lock us up and keep us till the rapture. If he wanted to do that, he could just, once you're saved, he could just rapture us then. But then we don't have any, no growth, we're like going up there like naked, no experiences. And he wants to work on us and work on our lives. He created us so we could be used for him. Jim Hyde and I like to work with wood, it's kind of fun, you know, usually we've done a few projects, you you generally have a sketch on what you're going to do. And we know there's different types of wood, you you always have to cut it, usually route it, join it with different methods, and sand it, finish it, and you have, end up with what you wanted to start out with. We, Jim and I, knew knew what we were going to be making at the end, but the wood had no idea. So we're like the wood, and the Lord gets us, does all these things to us, and he has a goal for what that piece of wood is going to be in the long term, something useful. And along the way, he exposes us to different things so we gain experience and grow in him. He's like a silversmith. You know that in in a chunk of silver ore, 99% 99% of it is dross. It's different metals, materials, and all this garbage. Only 1%. So we are the dross. So if you think you, he's done working with you, you got something else coming because 99% of us is bad, and he just wants to get that 1% and perfect it. Proverbs 25, 4 says, Remove the dross from the silver, And a silver myth can produce a vessel. So we're the vessel in that dross. It doesn't come out all at once and say, you're done. It takes a long time to get it all out. Okay, final, final. Number one, and I'm glad, like I said, I'm glad Mike shared this this morning. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works. And Dean's song, Love Lifted Me. And Taylor's song, number one, is his love for us. And all these other eight reasons, I think, combine to show his love for us. The first fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, and I think all the other ones flow from that first one. How does he he do this? And Mike said, we read it, he tells it, he tells it that he loves us, and he shows us, that's the other thing, he acted out what he says. He shows us that... He loved us in 1 John 4, 9 and 10. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. The whole New Testament is basically a love story. Come down, born in a manger, go through all that teaching, Creating believers, raising disciples, picking disciples, having them grow and, and spread the word. He did all that, and then He lays down His life for us. He gives us that path for salvation that we can never lose, and His love is unfailing and unconditional, unlike ours. And the Word says, the more we seek His love, the more He increases our capacity to receive it and to. This is kind of what Mike said, too. As we receive it, we're supposed to spread it with others, so we should demonstrate it and share it with other people. He made us alive with Christ by his grace, even when we were dead in sin. And many of you probably have a trust, living trust or a will. Sometimes your parents leave you a bill, and sometimes they leave you an inheritance. And what do almost all of us do with our inheritance should the Lord tarry? We give it to our loved ones in that document. You don't leave it to your enemies. We just don't, that's not us. But Christ did die for his enemies too. And he shows his love for us by giving us that inheritance which can never perish, spoil, or fade. And it's kept in heaven unperishable. And anybody can join in that inheritance too. It's not just listed to those 12 disciples. It's anybody who's saved will join in this inheritance. And how long will this love last? Romans 8, 38, 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So be encouraged. There's always going to be bumps in the road, but he has nothing but the best plan for us. And if Fallon, if you could put on that John 3.16. This is the, from the version that we all learned when we were younger. Dwell on that verse as Mike closes in prayer.
2: Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this message from Brad about encouragement and discouragement. And Lord, we... Thank you for the encouragement that we get from knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we thank you for the encouragement we get for knowing that you loved us so very, very much. So much, in fact, that you sent your only son to hang and be nailed on a cross and to be scoffed at and to be having his beard pulled and taunted. A perfect God did that for me in order that I might be encouraged. And Lord, we thank you for the skills and the tools that you give us each and every day to battle the discouragements that the devil throws up around us and the tools that are needed to defeat his ways. Lord, as we heard this morning, this is all a result of your amazing love. That you have for us and Lord we pray that if there's anybody in this auditorium that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior that doesn't get encouraged on a daily basis because they're alone Lord we pray that they will not leave this room until They've realized that they are sinners and that you love them so very, very much to give yourself on the cross for them. Lord, what a magnificent God you are, and we thank you for this day. We just pray now, Lord, that you'll give us all a safe trip home. We love you and ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen.